This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. They make this podcast possible and also very fun to do because we are able to interact on a private discord where we can talk, discuss topics, and just in general help each other collect the things that we want. So thank you so much to everyone who participates there. I couldn't appreciate you more. With that out of the way, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast, where we collect Pokemon cards and other nerdy things like damn adults. I am your host, Jess, and thank you so much for being here, and welcome to season four. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here. Season four marks the second year. This Geeked Out Collecting podcast has been around and honestly, I can't believe I made it this far. I really started this podcast without really having a goal in mind per se. I just wanted to do this for fun and to connect with people and to learn. And so to make it this far and have had an amazing two years doing it, I love it. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm humbled by it, the fact that I'm still here. So Thank you, thank you so much for your support, and I'm really hoping to bring it for season four. So as you know, I try to do things a bit different each season. So for this season, I want to be uploading three different episode formats. So I will be doing a weekly wrap-up episode, I will be doing monthly interviews with great guests, and I will also be doing bi-weekly topic episodes where I pick a topic and kind of go into it in more depth. So with that said, this is a weekly wrap-up episode where I go through some of the collectible news that's been making the rounds. And what I'll do is I'll add some perspective, I'll add some information, and just overall discussion around that specific news. So for the first bit of news and I'd say at this point, it's probably a bit of old news uh, since it's already been making the rounds. But as you know, first thing I want to talk about is the possible fake first edition case base set boxes. I know I didn't say that in the right order, but the scandal that's currently rocking the Pokemon world with the Logan Paul purchase of a $3.5 million first edition base set booster box case. So anyways, scandals aren't new for Pokemon, especially fake boxes, because shit, this isn't even the first fake box sale that we've seen that's been so huge and so public. So just to give a quick recap on the story, Logan Paul bought a possibly fake case of these booster boxes for 3.5 million. Huge payday for the seller. Now, thank God for the experienced of us in the community, a YouTuber rattler, and then subsequently Pokebeach recently came out with some red flags on the sale, with some evidence supporting their suspicions that this case is fake. I'll first off put links in the notes of the original article and then rattle subsequent videos talking about just, you know, what they're seeing. They've outlined a number of different red flags from the history of the box itself, the seller, their stories of how they acquired the box to begin with, the box itself, and even (laughs) the authentication company that verified the case for Logan. So, 
I'm not going to go into the, any of the details of those red flags because obviously Poke Beach and Rattle do an excellent and much better job than me regarding that. So I'm going to leave that to them. However, I do want to pose the question. If at the end of this, the case is proven to be fake, how much money does it take for fraudsters to see actual real consequences for their actions? I mean, seriously. In 2020, we saw the huge $375,000 debacle sale for a first edition base set booster. Like to this day, there has been no FTC investigation for the fraud whatsoever. These are huge sums of money that are being passed for product that is not what they say it is. I mean, it's insane. So anyways, I mean, if we're trying to give a serious answer here, a serious possible answer here, no one reported the fraud to the FTC. So, you know, my thought is, is that if it's not reported, the FTC won't investigate it because no one's complaining about it per se. I mean, now keep in mind, of course, I'm no subject matter expert regarding fraud or reporting fraud to the FTC. So if there are any experts out there that have some insight on maybe that process, you know, I I'm guessing to the FTC might choose to investigate a thing if it becomes big enough news, you know. But anyways, if you do have some insight and some expertise in that, I'd love your take on it because I'd love to learn more and educate myself. So obviously, Connor from Rock Pokemon, you are the first person I can think of that I know that could possibly provide some insight. So I'd love to get your take. If you make a video, I will watch it. If you don't know Rock Pokemon, <laughs> go follow him because he is a real expert within the financial, financial investing realms and he applies those principles and those concepts to collecting. You won't regret it. You will learn so much. I have learned so much. He is an amazing guy. Go follow him. So Anyways, plug aside, what I'd like to see, honestly, is, you know, with this whole situation, again, if it does come out that a crime has been committed, I mean, I want to see some accountability. You know, fakes are nothing new, and obviously Pokemon isn't the first, you know, industry, category, hobby collecting, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's not the first place to experience it. I mean, I was just watching a video the other day regarding fake jewelry. Um, and the fake jewelry business within the music industry and how music artists are essentially being finessed by experts, quote unquote. I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing about that industry, but I did find it to be really interesting. I'm not trying to go on a tangent on fake jewelry and the like, but it is a very interesting subtopic for another day. I would check it out. There's actually a few Instagram accounts that are specifically for spotting fake jewelry. So anyways, Rattle himself has put out additional videos on top of the initial red flags video. And what he talks about in these other videos is the backlash he's been getting from the seller, from the opposed, from the supposed seller. It appears that the seller has threatened to sue Rattle and then allegedly bribed Rattle for 500,000 to remove his initial YouTube video. In the polka beach article they made public the seller's ebay so you know i think the first real tangible thing that we can kind of take from this entire situation is do not buy from that seller just stay away <laughs> whether it comes out that they committed a crime or not probably just better to err on the side of caution it's probably not worth risking your business with that seller so it wouldn't be a bad idea to add them to your you know your blacklist on ebay now 
at the end of the day, we all know scammers aren't going to go away. It's just not going to happen. With that said, I know that in some ways my initial question of, you know, how much money does it take <laughs> for scammers to see real consequences? This in many ways is a rhetorical question because, you know, scammers aren't going to go away. But probably a more interesting and probably better question to ask is, will this hurt the hobby? And I think the answer to that is a very gray one and it's a very yes and no. I think for a certain group of collectors, it does definitely leave a bad taste in their mouths because it just reiterates that idea that they may have that, you know, the hobby is changing people it's only about the money you know can we get back to the cards can we get back to the collecting side of it and just enjoying the things that we love and i really don't have any criticism to that they're absolutely justified in feeling that way i mean that's just how they feel what i do appreciate about this is that it's a nice gentle reminder to all of us normies out there that we need to be smart and be diligent about what we buy from whom. And we also need to continue to support the great sellers that have done right by us. I mean, come on, this community is amazing. I've met some amazing, amazing people. It makes me really appreciate the deals I've done with them because they're awesome and they take care of me. So I am absolutely cool with that. You know, another tangent or another, I guess, tangible actual takeaway from this at the end of the day is you know take care of and foster the relationships you've made so far and trust but also verify twice <laughs> so when you're doing business with someone new or even if you're not doing business with someone new that you've done business with them before you always want to verify twice on all aspects right so learn all that you can about what you're buying, try to become as much of an expert as you can, and use already authenticated items to be your guide in that front. If you're buying cards or packs that you've never bought before and you aren't sure about how authentic they are, <laughs> buy an authenticated version and then make comparisons once you've bought the item in question, right? I've done this before with cards and packs and it actually helped me. I actually bought a fake card. Now, granted, I only spent like five bucks on the card. So, and I got a refund. So it's not that serious, but it's good to know because I'm sitting here thinking I bought a real deal card and then I decided to compare it to my PSA 10 version. And I realized the two were different. The coloring was different. The texture was a little bit different and the print text was different. So I was able to learn from that situation that, oh shit, I bought a fake card. Uh, now I want to make sure that that seller takes down that listing. I don't know if they knew that the card was fake or not. I don't care. Just take down the damn listing because your shit isn't real. So <laughs> anyways, tangent aside, you can again just as long as you're focused on being a student of the game, verifying twice, and doing business with people that you know and you trust and you do your due diligence, you'll be all right, you'll enjoy the hobby, you will have good experiences, or you will be able to protect yourself from mostly bad experiences, like making sure that you have buyer's protection on eBay and whatnot. So not sure if there's really much else to say regarding the scandal. So as the story continues to unfold, I will keep you posted. Logan is apparently coming to Chicago to talk to the company who authenticated the case. So we shall see what happens. In other hobby news, everyone here is probably already aware of the fact that Fanatics has recently bought out tops. This is huge, but it's really also not surprising for a few reasons. Before Topps lost the rights to make cards to the MLB, NBA, NFL, they were actually about to go public. So the loss of the rights to 
do so and make that product really just kind of crashed, <laughs> crash and burn their chances of going public and making more money. So with Fanatics winning the rights to the MLB, NBA, and NFL, they need to now figure out how to freaking print cards because they aren't a card company. They are a sports gear company. So what better way to print cards than to buy a company that already does that? It doesn't make sense for them to recreate the wheel. And, you know, in this case, they have all the leverage to cut a good deal with tops. So why wouldn't they why wouldn't they make that deal? Why wouldn't they make that happen? So I don't want to get into discussing whether or not it's good or bad for fanatics to, you know, for their goal, which they've said before, they want to be involved in the sports card world from top to bottom. So in the primary market and in the secondary market, I'm not fully informed to have an opinion on that yet but nonetheless fanatics is making a move that is not surprising because that is their goal they want to own everything <laughs> so nonetheless this is huge news it's good news for both parties involved uh, from their perspectives so we'll see what comes of it i don't know how much will change in terms of the cards themselves but maybe they decide to do new and interesting things i don't know i'm always interested in seeing new and interesting things. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily scared of change, but you know, anyways, we'll see what happens, what comes of it. Keep you posted on that. So now for some other breaking news in the Magic the Gathering world, Secret Lair is now changing how they operate these sets or rather Watsy is changing how they execute Secret Lair. So let me explain. If you're not already familiar, Secret Lair is a, they are specialty sets where you can order them directly from Watsy and you're given a few days. I believe it's a five day time frame to purchase or place an order for a set. So once the window has closed, the print run for that set will only be as big as the order side plus a little bit extra just as a buffer for issues uh, which makes sense so that is how secret lair sets normally go but now it seems that watsi is changing their tune a bit there is a new astrology batch of secret lair sets that will be coming out this year and you'll be apparently you'll apparently be able to order this throughout the year so completely different than how this typically goes. Thinking like a business, <laughs> likely the first reason they are going in this direction is because it just helps their bottom line. And there is nothing wrong with that because it's their product and they make the rules. But of course, will this have ramifications? Yeah, I think it could have ramifications because should customers place orders right away? No, they don't have to. They can wait all year to place an order. Uh, why would they wrap up their money in something early on? There isn't the need for speed, I guess, in some in some respects. You can kind of see how it unfolds as it goes. So anyways, you know, one thing for sure is uh, there's a lot of uncertainty around this particular secret lair. Does it really matter though? You know, Rudy was the first person I saw to talk about this topic. One of the things that he brought up is, you know, what makes this so much different than normal draft boxes, right? I mean, what, what makes this really that different? Does it make the sets any less special? I mean, some might argue that it does. Some might argue like it doesn't. Some don't even care. So, you know, I wonder how many secret layer sets will follow this process. Maybe they're doing a test to see, you know, 
for this year. Let's see how this goes. And if it goes well for us, then let's make it happen continuously. I don't know. Um, I haven't bought any secret layer sets before, so I don't necessarily have a good or bad opinion of them firsthand. I do plan on buying a few upcoming secret layer sets like uh, the Fortnite and the Street Fighter sets. I mean, you know, the other thing to bring up too when it comes to secret layer is these are the sets for now <laughs> where we will find serialized cards. So I don't know that there's been any announcement yet that we can expect to see serialized cards in standard sets or expansion sets. So I don't know. I, I think there are definitely some positives to secret layer. I do like the idea of having serialized specialty cards. And to be specific on that, I'm talking about cards that don't have any different playability in the game. They just simply look different. You know, so a specialty treatment of a card that you can get and that is available for players. So, you know, I guess at the end of the day, the moral of the story is just buy whatever the hell you want, whether you're a collector, investor, or player. We'll see how this plays out. I do hope that there aren't any issues, but we'll, we'll see what comes of it. So anyways, that is all of the news I have for everyone today in this weekly wrap up. So if you made it this far, thank you for being here. I am very humbled by that. Take it easy and have a good one, y'all. Peace.